One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How did get 30, 30, how get 30, how get 20, 20, 20, how get 20, 20, how get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. That's fun. How you doing? I'm doing all right. How He's you doing, doing pretty good. You've played a lot of the new video games, the old Wolong Fallen Dynasty, which is good because this is the wind-up, and I'm Scott Tilford, and that is Josh Brown. Good morning, Scott Tilford. Good morning! We've had some coffee. We thought we'd do the podcast early in the morning, um, talking about the latest video games, the latest talking points in the industry, or the latest pieces of news doing the rounds. And I didn't realise, or we didn't realise until last week, that Wolong Fallen Dynasty, Dynasty is on Game Pass. On Game Pass! It's right there! Which completely changed my world, Scott Tilford, because <laughs> I thought, if it's on Game Pass, I'm going to have to get it. Got no excuse. And you know what? I was I was looking for a game like this to mm. come along because I've been loving the VR. As you know, we did mm. an entire podcast on it last week. We did an extended Q&A video on it on the What Culture Gaming channel. Yes, but the thing about VR is that it's exhausting. Right. And when you're walking around your flat and you're pretending or you're actually shooting monsters in Resident Evil 8 VR, mm-hmm. which I'm going to talk about as well, mm-hmm. it gets a little bit tiring. And sometimes you just want to lie on the couch and you want to play a video game on the flat screen and Warlong has provided that. Warlong mm. Fallen Dynasty is definitely a video game. I will okay, say it's, that it's about it. It's one of the video games of the year. It's it? <laughs> one of the video it's, uh, games it's, it's nailing of that. the year. I feel like the, the game's rollout's been kind of weird because I did play the beta, which is quite a considerable amount of game. Like you got a big chunk of like the levels and everything. But the thing is, I, I wonder if we're on the cusp of people being a bit sick of, like it's only really like, only From Software can do this right. It almost feels like From Software are to the Soulsian genre what uh, Overwatch was to the hero shooter or like that idea right. of like, we only, we're only here for one of these. And I feel like it's anything From Software put out, absolutely nail yeah. but then anyone else who tries to do it like your Lords of the Fallen or your Surges or whatever they never get up there From Software are absolutely you know the crown jewel of that mm. entire, entire subgenre obviously you know they kicked it off and they have continued to innovate ever since yes. that said as you may know Scott Tilford this year alone I have already played a Souls-like clone in Mortal Shell oh god and you I did I played about 10 of them last year uh-huh. so I'm very much of the opinion that there are good experiences out there especially Especially from Team Ninja, who have produced Warlong. Mm. You know, they um, previously created the two Neo games, the second of which I really enjoyed. And Warlong, as a set of mechanics, is very satisfying. You know, Mm. it's faster than a Souls game, despite keeping some of the uh, core tenets of, obviously, you know, kind of like the bonfire system, Mm. which is in this sees you planting, you know, flags down uh, at certain areas within the battlefield Mm. where enemies respawn when you go back. You're banking what are essentially souls to upgrade your character, Mm -hmm. but it does make a lot of changes. You know, like the character creation system is a little different, and the biggest difference across the board is a morality, no, a morale system at the heart of the game. So, each enemy within a level has a different level of morale, which kind of like dictates how powerful they are. Mm -hmm. So, it kind of is more about that than it is regular leveling up. The regular leveling up obviously helps. Can you break 
break their morale. That's it, right? Good. So you can break their morale. <laughs> so in order to gain morale, you have to plant these flags around the level. Mm-hmm. And there are some that act as checkpoints slash bonfires. And there are others that are kind of hidden away that mm-hmm. just give you a morale boost. You can get morale by um, avenging other players. You don't like see other players within the game, but in classic Soulsian fashion, you see where they died. So you can oh, um, cool. expend a healing item to gain a boost in morale and hopefully um, avenge them by killing the monster that killed them. And you get a little <laughs> bonus by doing that. And it's all about kind of playing around with this morale system. You can do um, kind of special attacks where you essentially have a Y button. So Y and Xbox that does a kind of heavy attack. But mm. here it's called a spirit attack okay. that kind of extends that kind of like spirit is what you build up to get your morale up. So enemies can do a spirit attack on you, mm-hmm. and if you dodge it in a specific way, you can take like oh, a level cool. from them and add it to yourself, which right, is okay. kind of satisfying. So you're kind of playing around with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it does have changes from the From Software kind of formula, and like I said, it is overall much faster and mm-hmm. based around combos, and you're not waiting necessarily for telegraphed attacks. But it's another one which I think is interesting that's based more around parrying. So you do have a right. block button, but like I said, you're encouraged to parry because when they do those spirit attacks, the only way to kind of like deflect them is to press B mm-hmm. at the right time to deflect the attack, knock them off guard, break their spirit, and then do a powerful counterattack. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of, it's more Sekiro like Sekiro like than yeah, it yeah. is, yeah, than it is kind of like Dark Souls, I uh-huh. suppose. More inspired by that game. Okay. The thing is, like, I'm, yeah, I'm curious at this point what someone does to differentiate because I feel like it's, it's it almost, to some people, like, if you're playing all of them, it, it is going to be enough to, just, like, here's another Souls thing. All you Souls people will go play it anyway. But then, what was it, when we, when we started talking about it, you said, like, it is just, it, it's another one of them. Like, is that just ultimately where it lands? It's it's more because of the technical issues of the mm. game. Like, I'm so pleased I got this on Game Pass and didn't pay full price <laughs> for it because even on next-gen systems, which I'm playing it on, uh, it just the performance isn't good. Right. And that sucks in boss battles, of course. I'm playing it on favor frame rate. It doesn't see, to seem to matter where, whether I'm on performance mode or the quality mode. Mm-hmm. Like, the frame rate just has weird hiccups now and again. That's kind of inexcusable at it, this point. It, it really yeah. is, especially coming off something like this team has already made Neo 1 and Neo 2 and Warlong, while it is ambitious in certain ways from a graphical standpoint, mm. it doesn't like look like a major step up. In no, my I remember opinion. thinking that on the beta thing. Yeah, like yeah. it looks nice, especially in certain cutscenes. Your character model in particular looks mm. incredible, but like in the actual gameplay itself, I don't know what the game is giving me that justifies such a massive Mm. drop in performance, and that is a real shame, because it's not like it's loading these massive levels. Like, each mission that you go on is a discrete level, and Mm. those levels are big, Mm. but it's not like a big interconnected open world. When you get to the end of the level, you get warped back to, like, the bonfire, or you just move back, or you move on to the next discrete mission. And I just don't know what it's giving me to I wonder justify if, uh, the kind of technical hiccups, and that's such a shame. Yeah, I wonder if they were developed... Because is it cross-gen, or is it only on new systems? That's a good question. I'm not entirely sure. I'm not sure. entirely sure either, but I wonder, because the last couple of years, behind the scenes have been quite tumultuous in terms of target systems, and then various devs ditching their last-gen versions right before launch, and were trying to prioritize newer systems regardless. I wonder if that was the case here, yeah. and they were maybe initially aiming for a wider set of systems. I mean, Neo 2 was, what, 2018, 2019? Yeah, right, like relatively recent, ago. yeah. Well, and, um, yeah, I guess like this is... Time is a flat circle, right? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I think the pandemic just blows all that stuff out. But I think, um, yeah, if it's been development for a while, chances are that they would have had that older mentality of aiming for the other systems and stuff. But um, how's the, the the difficulty? How's the gotcha? Because I the thing that made me go... Because I think 
for me, it's like there's a certain. I don't know if it's because I'm getting older. Mm. I don't know if it's because life struggle. Life has struggles, and I can't be bothered with this. This all the BS in these games anymore. Not to say so far I've beaten all of them. Like other than um, the, the the real offshoot ones, like uh, Mortal Shell, I didn't finish. Yeah. Um, but the main stuff: your Demon Souls, your Dark Souls, your Sekiro's, your Bloodborne's, flying through all them like nobody's business. Loving the Surge as well, and, and, and Surge too. But. At some point, I can't be bothered. I, yeah. I can't be bothered with a gotcha where it's like, oh, like in Neo 2, I didn't finish Neo 2 um, because there's just like enemies that just fall out of a tree and kill you. And I'm like, I just can't, I can't do it. <laughs> Is there a lot of the gotcha, oh my God, I'm going back to the checkpoint energy in this? Not really, you know. Okay. Interestingly, I'm going to definitely get this boss fight in a list because the bur- the first boss fight heard in about the game this first boss. is an absolute slag. Like, <laughs> he's an absolute <laughs> villain. He will tool you into the ground okay. uh, because he's one of those bosses that forces you to learn the basics of this game because you might go into it like playing it like from software, mm. Dark Souls, or even a Sekiro. Trying to poke the old bum. Absolutely. In the game, just like, isn't that? So the first boss is a real test of the, the new systems, that morale system, that uh, parrying system. Mm. And you kind of have to master that. But the thing is, once you do get over that first boss, which is difficult, you'll kind of have all the tools you'll need to then complete the rest of the game. Right. I'm just over halfway through, probably like 60, 70% of the way through the game. And no, you've flown through it. Oh man, I, I, this is the thing, right? Because it's really Moorish. Mm. The gameplay systems are really satisfying. It's just the technical issues that are a shame. Mm. Uh, but the rest of the game, actually, for me, isn't all that difficult. I find that I often feel overpowered, especially in certain boss fights. Mm. There's only one other boss fight since that first one that I've died on. Right. Everything else I've managed to do first time just by brute forcing my way through and that's uh-huh. because the game gives you a lot of powerful weapons if you're doing ex- if you're exploring the areas you know if you get your morale high enough you can go toe to toe with anyone mm-hmm. and the game is very um, liberal with giving you companions on your quest so often you'll have one or maybe even two pretty good NPCs at your side by all time uh-huh. taking on enemies with you because the game itself can be played mm-hmm. um, in co-op and that kind of just mitigates a lot of the challenge, but it's still very satisfying mm. uh, to play through. It's just, yeah, it's it's um, it's um it definitely has challenging areas and a few difficulty spikes mm. where you might feel a little underleveled randomly out the blue, but overall it doesn't feel as much like dictated by those gotcha moments as maybe some of the uh, other games from this developer. That's have. definitely very encouraging for me because I thought Elden Ring was such a perfect step in the right direction um, to not just try and catch you out, even though they did have bits and pieces in Elden Ring where yeah. it's like you're in like a certain dungeon and you get caught out of certain creature summons or whatever, but it largely felt fair. And I also thought that in Elden Ring, at least they give you enough tools to deal with that in the moment where it's like you do have the the ash summons or like just, I don't know, just in general, the level layouts that you get away from something uh, rather than just kill you in one hit. Um, so that's like encouraging. But overall, is it like, because the thing is, I feel like right now it's like each one of these games, if it's not a FromSoft game, has like one gimmick. Like mm. um, uh, Mortal Shell was like, oh, you can harden yourself to end, to tank a hit as you attack. The Surge, you have the limb damage, like Lords of the Fallen, it's all like this gambling XP system where you, if you don't bank it at a checkpoint, you roll it over to the next ch- checkpoint. Wolongs is kind of the the morale system, like you said. Yeah. Um, but I guess like it's that overall thing of like whether because I did see a, a, a tweet too in the rounds of like is um you know are these the the best side developers? If you're not going to be into from software, you're better off with the Neo games and Wolong. Like they've kind of carved out their own little side niche at this point. Yeah, they have, and you know this game does do things different from the kind of from software mold. Like I was saying, you do have the morale system, and you mm. also have like a kind of a magic system based on certain elements. So you have like, you know, fire, uh, frost, lightning and mm-hmm. stuff, which can be used to counteract the counteract 
the attacks of other enemies who, you know, might be using certain elements themselves. If you come across a wizard who's, you know, using fire, you can counter that with with frost. It sounds simple, but that's it's cool. just a kind of interesting system that's in there. You've got, mm-hmm. like, those spells. You've got these martial arts moves. There are a lot of systems in there. The only issue that I have with it, even though I'm really enjoying it and have been absolutely, you know, <laughs> nonstop playing it all weekend, is just that kind of familiarity, not with the genre as a whole, but from the Neo games in particular. Mm. You know, I love Neo 2, but the issue I had with that game was that it was just a little bit too long mm-hmm. and that you were encouraged to jump into that, a that lot. prequel too long. Very good, hey. very good. You, in- you were encouraged to do a lot of the side missions um, to make sure you were, you know, strong enough to mm. take on the main missions. But the thing is, those side missions were kind of bland. They would reuse levels, maybe put you through a level backwards, change the mm. time of day. Like, they were just, like, they felt like Philip. This has that, but it feels less focused on and it feels like I can ignore it a mm-hmm, little bit more mm-hmm. and like it's a great it's a good game I would recommend it especially on Game Pass I wouldn't pick it up full price at the mm-hmm. moment just because of the technical issues the only slight disappointment I have is that when it was first announced I thought it would be more than just an iteration on Neo 2 I thought it would be something new I thought it would right. look visually more interesting. I thought the level design might be a little bit more ambitious, but it is just an iteration on what the devs have done before. And Mm. that's good if you just want more of the same. Mm -hmm. And it kind of is, it makes it maybe an easier sell if you love those games and you're like, well, I want another one. Mm -hmm. Here it is. This is is that game with a few tweaks. It's kind of like going from Dark Souls 1 to kind of Bloodborne. You can tell they're working on the same foundation, even though they have different kind of thematic edges and different mechanics, mm-hmm. but you can tell they're kind of like cut from the same cloth. Uh, but I wanted something a little bit different, a, a major overhaul. Well, I thought that's what they, were, what, they were, what they were going for when they when it is like a new franchise or like in theory it's a whole new franchise. And I guess we'll see how it does because it hasn't been reviewing that well. It's sort of like sixes and sevens kind of thing. Yeah. But I wonder how much that leans on, like are people just quite, t- I don't think people are overall tired of the entire genre. It's just that you're in the shadow of Elden Ring. And I just, I just wonder like that whole thing of like, sometimes you get genre domination to a point where like everything is always going to be in the shadow of the main leader yeah and it's like from software only only excelled with elden ring so you could, you're not going to get not going to get anywhere near that really i think this one definitely does shoot itself in the foot because you know it's inexcusable to be have a difficult game and throw you a massive you know screen filling boss battle mm. and then have the frame rate tank into like <laughs> what feels like the tens where you can not you can't keep up with the attacks oh, you're getting sucks. killed because the frame rate is killing you i think the issue with this one in particular isn't necessarily genre fatigue, though that might play a part. It is more the technical shortcomings and the familiarity and how mm. croaky and kind of, you know, wonky the entire experience feels when you kind of expect that little bit of polish, especially after an Eld- Elden Ring, which yeah. is so big, so ambitious, so polished, and so beautiful at the same time. This definitely feels like it was chucked together with duct tape and <laughs> was just pushed out the door, you know, which is a shame because there's so much potential there. Yeah, I guess they'll patch the hell out of it, like, or they'll patch enough of it going forward because like, they had the big old beta that is on Game Pass. A lot of people <clears throat> are going to be playing this, so it feels like there is a, a big reason to get it right. Like, yeah. You're a stickler for trophy data, I know this, Scott. I can be. About who, you know, obviously, the amount of people who jump into a game versus the amount of people actually getting through it. Yes. Since about, you know, four missions into the game, I would say the percentages for beating those boss battles have been like 5%. No so way. I think people are just kind of perhaps bouncing off, maybe because of that first boss. Maybe it's Possibly. just a little bit too difficult and they think, screw this, if the entire game is going to be like this, I don't want to play mm. it. Uh, which is kind of a shame because, like I say, once you beat that first boss, everything else so far <laughs> has been kind of a, a cakewalk. Uh-huh. That, yeah, that thing, that was, I think that's always fascinating when you go through an Xbox game for the first time, if you're in that first week or that first month. And like, when I went through Hi-Fi Rush, after about 
chapter three or four, every single trophy was a rare trophy. Mm. Um, in terms of the the bosses, the level completion, the unlocks, it was just like, oh my god, no one else is going through this. Um, to the point where when I got the final one, it was only like two or three percent of people had finished the game. Um, and I'd be curious. I guess I might do a, a YouTube poll or a Twitter poll or something. How long do people take to get through a game? Because we yeah. know that for the most part, like ninety percent of people don't finish their games at all. But how long do they give them a chance, or do they try and prioritize it in that first week or that first month? I wonder. I wonder whether people get into something like Wolong and are just like, this is me for the next few weeks or the next yeah. few months. Um, obviously, you're up against things like Resident Evil 4 or whatever in the next few weeks. But yeah, I'm curious what people's attitude is towards a game like this. I can see a lot of people bouncing off it, especially mm. if they're just trying it on Game Pass. Like I said, like the, the, the first boss combined with the kind of not great visuals combined with, combined with the technical issues, mm. I don't think it makes a good first impression at all. In fact, I think I messaged you when you I was playing the opening hour saying this is a ropey <laughs> video game. Uh, unfortunately, it does get better when you get into the groove of it and the mechanics are satisfying. Mm -hmm. It just is that shame of it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't wow you at all. And it's one of those games that kind of delays its um title credits drop for about okay. You know, that can be brilliant. Which can be brilliant, but it delays that for a little bit until you've properly gotten through like the first boss and seen a lot right. of the game. And it's supposed to be a big wow moment, but you just kind of think, ooh, I hope the rest of the game is better than this. <laughs> Unfortunately, it is, but it's like, like I said, not a good first impression. I do think that in general, the thing I'm kind of getting at with the, it's not, it is kind of fatigue, but it's also like when you know what you're in for, it's like there's a certain amount of like fortitude you have to sort of steal yourself to be, to put up with, with these games. I guess that's why I was asking about the gotcha stuff or just that general idea of like I am signing myself up for some BS or some difficulty yeah. or some like challenge of an evening and um, when maybe you just want something a bit easier. It's a yeah. the last thing it like definitely is challenging you right. know it might not be as difficult as some of the other games even Neo 2 but there is a challenge there and there's something to learn mm. which I think is integral to the success of these games because I don't think as much as we might you know want them to be a little bit easier as we age and we've been through <laughs> so many I think it's you need that thrill of learning a skill almost mm. in this mm. the set of mechanics in War Long are new enough that it feels satisfying to learn those skills That's which cool. I will say which is still really cool mm -hmm. That's cool I think um, yeah I was going to tra transition into something that I've been playing which is Final Fantasy 13 because oh. I'm a sick sick individual and I'm going to Japan at the end of the month and so I'm very much loving um, the Japanese RPGs the JRPGs of the world Final Fantasy 13 is the one that is very much a low point in that franchise and I know the game has a cult classic fandom there are a whole generation of people who played that as their first one and will defend it to the death yeah. you're all wrong it's right. the worst thing and it's horrible excuse me first okay. and foremost how come a year ago when yes. i said i wanted to play a final fantasy 13 yep. you laughed me out the room yep. and taught me not to do it yep. and now here you are <laughs> march 7th 2023 oh. having played final fantasy 13 what is wrong with you i don't well i, just, I wanted one of them that i've not finished and 13 okay. is one of the only ones that i've not finished because when i first played it back in whatever year it came out 2009 or something um i just bounced off it i did the first sort of two three hours and i was like I hate the dialogue. Like, like, visually beautiful. The combat system is what absolutely kills it, as is still the case now. Um, and it's one of those things where I just wanted to find a Final Fantasy that I hadn't finished, that I know has this cult, sort of cult fandom around it. Because if you find someone who likes 13, they love 13 so yeah. much. Um, and it's the, it was almost became a meme because it's the entry in the franchise that gets good after 20 hours. <laughs> and it's, it's just that thing where everyone's like, I can't put up with 20 hours. And I was just curious. I was like, how much do I have to play before it like kicks in a bit? Is 
it actually 20 hours? Um, because there is a bit where the game opens up after about 10 hours and it sort of changes a bit more where you've got like a more open-ended approach to the levels and everything. But for that opening three, I did about three, four hours before I tapped out. It's literally, we've got corridors where you're running down. There's no <laughs> merchants. There's no real, the combat is the worst. Yeah, explain this to me. You said that's the thing that kills it dead. Why yeah. is it bad? Like, well, what did they change? What do they add? What's going on with that? So they, they, just, they literally make it one button combat. Like you have, every time you go into any encounter in a Final Fantasy game or, you know, most JRPGs, you have turn-based combat. You have some sort of strategy to it. Like, oh, I'm going to apply an elemental attack to this dude. Then I'm going to attack over here. Then I'm going to get my other person to do this. And there's a like sort of light strategic element to it. Like you plan out those battles. Final Fantasy 13 in, because I know the game had a hell of a development. It started as something else. And then it was like this whole weird ramshackle approach to it. Um, and I know that defenders of the game say that the combat does get more fleshed out over time. Um, I got as far as unlocking the paradigm system, which is where you can start like rotating out various AI scripts for yourself and your companions, but you only ever play as one character. Mm. And so it's one of those things where the combat itself is just, you have like three options for the first like two hours, where it's a, you can hit auto battle, which will automatically attack. You can manually assign the same attack, <laughs> or you can do uh, this move called blitz, which is like a um, like a sort of uh, wider attack. If you're playing as lightning, there are different characters, but they, all, they only ever have one standard attack and one special move. So it's either hit auto battle and skip the stage of manually planning it, yeah. or go into the abilities window and manually tell them to attack anyway. Mm. It, there's just nothing to it. Yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. so nothing. And so like eventually you get the paradigm thing and you can start being like, okay, I want lightning to, f to, to be more um, offensively, you know, like, like charge forward. I want one of my other characters to focus on healing. You can kind of set it up like Final Fantasy XII had things like that. Um, but that's it. It's so just nothing. And you're putting up with hours of the worst dialogue in some of Final Fantasy's history and um, with some of the weirdest world setup where it's all about these... The, the, the idea of the world is cool. The idea of these, like, giant unknowable gods that, yeah. like, humanity answers to um, called, like, the Falsi. And, like, they sort of, um, they take people and curse them and then they uh, give them roles and it's just capitalism gods right, and whatever. Cool. Um, but they're, like, these sort of unknowable, like, eldritch gods kind of thing. Um, that's cool, this idea of this weird sort of dystopian future where humanity is like stuck in cocoons. And, yeah, uh, <laughs> you're speaking my language and you're making me excited Thematically, it. it's brilliant. Well, it's not brilliant, but thematically, it's interesting. Mm. Um, or it gets you, it's, it's, it's engaging. And the opening is like gorgeous. But like I said, gameplay-wise, it's just so boring. And it's like the, the level design is terrible because it's all just corridor-based. I turned the map off so I didn't have to look at how corridor-based the actual world was. Right, so you and know. Just, yeah, just to try and explore it a bit more. Um, but yeah, the combat is the thing that largely drags it down and just kind of how messy the story is. Um, and I know that a lot of people like have grown up to love it, but I genuinely think that's because it was one of the first ones they played. Yes. Um, and it's like maybe that thing where if you spend enough time with it, then you grow, you fall in love with the characters in the world. And so when things finally start changing at the 10, 20 hour mark, then you can start to love it. But I think the level of investment required versus every other Final Fantasy is too big. See, I don't, I don't really love turn-based combat, right. as you know. So the idea that I can kind of just almost skip it is very mm. enticing. You're to still me watching all those animations. It's still. It's not. It still doesn't feel fun. Time. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Like Final Fantasy XII, uh, when they re-released it, the Evilus edition or whatever you call it, um, let you speed stuff up more. I think you could do that in the original one as well. Um, so if you like the idea of, um, yeah, it's definitely in the re-release. You can um, just tell your team to like auto, okay, fit this mold of attack, and then every time we have an encounter, just burn through it. Okay, get to the next thing. Get to the next thing. 
And a lot of people who love 12 love that sort of like automated feel to the combat. It's definitely a thing that a lot of RPGs in general um, have like flirted with that idea of like, oh, we don't really like the turn based stuff. Mm. We'll just let you automate it. Um, and you can, even in the re releases of um, Final Fantasy 7, 8, and 9, when they got remastered, not the remake of 7, you can speed everything up like times 10 and everything. So there are some things like that. Um, Bravely Default has that as well. Like, I, I'm not there to skip the game. Like, it's just. What are we doing? Um, I think, I don't know, like, it's if it was the exact same enemy and I just want to grind some stats out, then, like, fine. Mm. But, like, the, the literal state of what you are doing in 13 is entering combat, watching the animation, everyone gets ready to fight, hit a button, they just do a move. You don't do anything other than tell them to auto-battle. Yeah. Um, and then eventually maybe you get a different move, but that's it. And then I started looking on the Reddit threads and the old threads from, because it's, 15 years or whatever it is years old and it is people just saying like does it ever get better than this and then <laughs> the people who are fans going like nah not really but we love it and so yeah I think it's just it's a weird thing where um, like I said I did I was, I was about three hours-ish um, big story events happened Troy Baker's in this one of his very very first roles interesting um, he's brilliant I love Snow the character that he plays um, he like plays this like uh, leader of the rebellion he's called he's called Snow and he's all like motivated by what heroes do and he's just like well save you because that's what heroes do and I'm like that's great he's fun um, um, they have a really schmaltzy romance scene where a bunch of fireworks are going off and he's flying through some fireworks with like his partner uh, making out in the fireworks. And I was like, this is nice. Um, but it doesn't make up for what you are literally doing in that game. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. With the amount of time we spend discussing and analyzing video games on this channel, it's always good to understand exactly how these experiences are put together. And fortunately for me, I can do just that with Masterclass. With Masterclass's streaming service, you can learn from the best to become your best, studying and growing with over 200 plus of the world's leading instructors. For me, I've been having a blast using a class on video game design by The Sims creator Will Wright to find out exactly how game mechanics are designed around player psychology as well as learning how important playtesting is to shipping the titles that you and I both love. But it hasn't stopped there, as I've also been brushing up on my practical filmmaking skills directly from my favourite movie director Martin Scorsese, as well as trying to get back in the cooking game with Roy Choi's amazing course on intuitive cooking. Seriously, my kitchen is a mess, but my belly has never been more grateful. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to courses on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even via audio-only modes. Even better, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and 88% of members feel that the service has made a positive impact on their lives. 
And to put the cherry on top of that cake, right now, What Culture Gaming listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com forward slash gaming. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash gaming. What's that? You want it one more time? Well, that's the URL masterclass.com forward slash gaming. Right, now I'm going to watch Tony Hawk try to teach me how to ollie properly. I'll see you all soon. I don't know about you, but sometimes I hear that something gets better after 10 hours or 20 hours. And in my mind, stupidly, yes, I think, you want to know? that's fine, I can do that. <laughs> and then you realize how long 20 hours actually is. That's the entirety of War Long, more yes. or less. You know what I mean? Like That's a full big game, and I've probably done half of that over mm-hmm. the weekend, and that feels like a long time Well, I was like me. doing... I would only be halfway to getting to the good bits of Final Fantasy XIII if I had done that. Totally, and it's like, that's the entire Lord of the Rings trilogy, extended. <laughs> yeah. Like, you could do... And I was, I was going through this doing, like I said, the first few hours, just going like all of Fellowship could have happened now, all of Two Towers, all of Return of the King as separate individual installments and how much story was in there, how much propulsion was in there. Yeah, I tried with Final Fantasy XIII, but I just, I couldn't. It's not, it's just not well made. And if the more I looked into the, the background of it, the making of it, I was like, this isn't worth my time. Like yeah. this is a thing that was all over the place in development. Not that I don't love certain things like the art direction. Um, I like lightning. I like the, the characters for the most part. And um, a lot of people hate hope. He's like this little kid who gets like, Something happens to him, and it's why he's sort of like super mopey and annoying, but mm-hmm. like whatever. Um, but yeah, it's one of those things where it's a very divisive installment. And I thought maybe in 2023, go, going back to it after the dust had settled, maybe I can appreciate what's there. Um, no, I can <laughs> I can appreciate what's there in terms of everything other than the gameplay. Yeah. Because um, that thing just kind of sucks. Speaking of gameplay, though, um, you played Resident Evil 8 VR. Yes, yes. Tell me about the virtual reality. Oh my God, my <laughs> friend. Obviously, uh, briefly talked about this in last week's podcast, but it was more about the hardware. It was more about PSVR 2 yes. as a whole. Since then, I've been primarily playing Resident Resident Evil 8 because I only touched the first hour or so mm. this time last week and now I'm in Castle Demetresque and I feel like I've got a proper good grasp on the game mm-hmm. and it is beautiful. Is it better than the, the uh, base game? I think so. That's I, I definitely think so. You know, the base game is excellent. You mm. know, I absolutely loved it at launch but the thing it was lacking for me was that element of horror. You know, mm. I loved its kind of more fantasy-based world. You know, it obviously starts, the entire game starts with this kind of fairy tale reading mm-hmm. that kind of mirrors what's about to happen in the plot and while I loved the atmosphere, it didn't scare me in mm. VR. It scares me. You know, okay. the monster designs seem so much creepier to have a werewolf, a full-scale werewolf uh, kind of like running at you right. in VR is terrifying. You get that sense of scale. They feel intimidating. They feel massive. They feel mm. like they could rip you apart, which is uh, very scary. And I had one of just one of those jaw-dropping VR moments where I was going through the kind of bowels of the castle. I was in the distillery down beneath the kind of opulent, uh, you know, walkways and halls of Mm -hmm. the uh, upper part of the castle. I was down in the kind of, like, dungeon. Mm -hmm. And it was pitch black, so I was using my um, flashlight that I was obviously using with one of the controllers. I was looking around. Is that map one-to-one where you're looking? Yes, the map's one-to-one. So I'm literally using my hand to kind of shine light on certain areas that are otherwise pitch black Mm -hmm. and you can hear a kind of monster around the corner which are the kind of ghouls that haunt the basement that carry swords have their hoods up Mm -hmm. and it was just such a tense moment walking through seeing them emerge and trying to fight them while you were trying to keep your light on them and I just thought this is what VR is made (laughs) for this is precisely 
why everyone raves about this technology because it can take a combat encounter that is relatively straightforward mm. but still exciting in the base game and turn and, and transform just the act of getting to it, walking through a darkened area mm. into something that is incredibly memorable because you feel like you're there. You can hear the 3D audio. You're the, the 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 sense of depth that you get in the sense of immersion that you get when you're shining that flashlight and it's kind of cutting through the darkness mm-hmm. is like it, it's VR at its best. It's it's where you kind of forget about the potential shortcomings of the tech. You forget that you're kind of in a room mm-hmm. and you feel like you're in that dungeon. And I never thought amazing. of the scale stuff as a really good point. Like I never thought of like yeah the actual the idea of an actual full sized werewolf coming at you or like the size of Lady Dimitrescu or something like that. Like the idea even the Duke when you finally meet him like yeah. he's this huge dude uh, towering above you kind of thing. Like yeah that's like a really good thing that only VR could give you. You talk about the various like distinctions of a VR version of a game. It's like well scale is a massive part of that. Definitely. Um, um, a lot of people sharing clips of um, just the beginning of Call of the, uh, the Mountain where like uh, one of the tall necks like walks over you and you yes. see the size of its foot and everything. I think that's a really cool, just a cool facet of VR um, that's worth mentioning. And you definitely get that in the castle scene in particular because obviously when you first get to the village, you can see the castle in the distance and when you actually get up close and you're looking at it you know, mm. from down below, you get the sense of scale of the castle. You go in, you, you're looking respectfully at L- Lady Demetresque, you know what I mean? And then she <laughs> is incredibly tall. Obviously, she's picking you up. You kind of feel like you're getting thrown around. You get the sense of scale of her. Mm. You know, this massive, tall vampire woman. And then you've got the the big um, sort of werewolf. What would you even describe him as? Like the chief werewolf guy who's got yeah. like the big hammer who you see right at the beginning. He gets in your face at one point. You get Heisenberg in your face. Oh, it's just her a bit later as well. Yeah, yeah, That'll which I'm fun. excited to do. And it's just, it is that kind of like one-to-one scale that I think... Um, adds so much to the VR experience, like I said, makes those kind of basic enemies feel even more threatening. Mm. And when you're you know, running away and you're trying to just frantically shoot at these things, so you're emptying a clip into them, but then you realize you've got no bullets, you're uh. trying to frantically reload in the dark, you're getting your shotgun out, you know, you're pumping one guy full of lead, you're trying to throw a <laughs> knife at the other. It just has that kind of extra tactility that obviously you get from VR that the base game didn't have. And for mm-hmm. as much as I love the base game and would recommend it to anyone, if you've got a VR headset, it's worth going through the game again mm-hmm. for this added um, experience because I think it does add a lot to the horror, especially. I feel like seven and eight, uh, Resident Evil Seven and Eight, both work so well as VR movie, uh, VR experiences, and um, because they have like things happen to your limbs or yeah. things happen to your body quite a lot, and it's like those are the things that trick your brain to feeling different things when you're in VR, which is like weird because I don't think that either of them were set out to be VR experiences. Maybe more so with eight because I guess the tech would overlap a bit more. And um, but yeah, I just feel like both of these work so well when I think about the different the different parts of the story, different parts of the, the different set pieces in 8, things like that mech bit, which were kind of stupid, like too stupid to me, like a bit too stupid in the game, yeah. main game. Um, if you just kind of go with it in terms of like a set of controls or like a, a set piece showdown in VR, that is way more exciting. Definitely. And I think Resident Evil 7 felt like it was made with VR in mind more than mm. this, just in the way that characters were getting in your face. Like yeah, you said, totally. things were happening to your body, people were getting up close and personal and it felt uncomfortable. Mm. Resident Evil 8 doesn't have that all the way through, but it still has it here and there especially within Castle Demetresque. And there was one moment where you first kind of meet Heisenberg and he throws a bit of rebar kind of through your gut and then he suffocates you in metal. And that was actually actually really scary in VR because it feels literally like you're getting encased in metal in real life. Your vision's kind of going. Uh, And you kind of, it tricked my brain for a second to feel like I was getting, you know. Like you're stuck. I was stuck and I couldn't move my limbs. And it had that weird phantom phantom effect. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
which I didn't obviously get in the original version and kind of thought Heisenberg was a little weird and late yeah. at times, but like even just that being translated to VR worked so much better. And it's just uh, just one of those experiences when it's happening to you and not a character, <laughs> you can kind of feel it a little bit more. That sounds cool. Uh, yeah, if I ever get a PSVR 2, which I'm planning, I'm, hopefully they, this year, I'm still hoping they drop the price a little bit. Mm. Um, but yeah, the Resident Evils would be the most immediate thing I would go to because I never played Resident Evil 7 in VR. Um, but I did do a little bit of Resident Evil 4 in VR and hopefully later in this year, they'll have the VR version of Resident Evil 4 Remake out so. as well, which would be cool. Um, let's talk a bit about um, some video game news um, to round out the podcast. Um, a new Dragon Ball Z Tenkaichi game is Yo. coming. <laughs> the one game in the Dragon Ball uh, video game side of things that br- always brought in the wider audience. I feel like Tenkaichi was always kind of up there with your Tekken's, your Street Fighters, in terms of a conversation, in terms of something that people played when they were growing up. Um, this was announced during the Dragon Ball Games Battle Hour 2023 stream. Um, we don't know which developer is doing it, which is kind of fascinating because um, Arc System Works a Dragon Ball Fighter Z, which for me is, but for my money, is the best Dragon Ball game ever made. And um, if you want something that can replicate the fighting, the speed of the fighting, and the spectacle of it, but you also have Cyber Connect just did Dragon Ball Z Kakarot, um, which got pretty close in terms of the spectacle, but the combat for me wasn't as good in Kakarot, and I got a bit sick of it over time. And um, we don't know who's making uh, the, the new sort of reboot of Tenkaichi, and it seems like it is a reboot. It doesn't have a number attached to it yet. Yeah. Um, so overall, I feel like they're just revisiting the idea of Tenkaichi, which isn't that far off Kakarot, like in nope. terms of like. 3D fighting and, and that kind of thing. That's it, right? That's why I think I would, wouldn't would mind if it was the Kakarot developers because that's almost a Tenkaichi game in mm. terms of its combat. It might not necessarily have the same amount of depth and maybe it's more based around kind of RPG systems and hitting off specials and stuff. But mm. like, that, like you said, that sort of 3D fighting element is definitely there. Mm-hmm. And that's what you want to see from Tenkaichi, right? And I don't know what this game is going to be in a kind of in a good way because mm. the way it was announced, you know, looking back at the older games, I didn't know if it was going to be a sort of remake with new stuff added on. Mm. Obviously, you see Goku's... Um, what transformation is that? Super Saiyan God? What color is his hair? It's blue. Uh, that, that's Super Saiyan God, Super Saiyan. There we go. Super Saiyan God, <laughs> Super Saiyan transformation at the end, which obviously indicates that they're definitely putting new stuff into it. But True. is that going to be... Is it going to be like a brand new experience built from the ground up? Or are they going to essentially take what worked before, uh, remake that, and then add an extra mm. campaign on the end for Dragon Ball Super or whatnot? Because I'm my memories are blurring over. There were so many of these games. I had the one that was on Game Boy Advance, I think. Right. And um, there was one that my wife had on DS for a while. But there's the Budokai Tenkaichi series, and there's the main Tenkaichi series? Just Budokai, I think. Dra- okay. Dragon Ball Z Budokai. That's like the that's like the one-on-one, almost Tekken-style yes. fighting right. game. Whereas Tenkaichi was more like a 3D uh, arena fighter, which has kind of become the staple of what people do for anime games these days. The Demon Slayer game is phenomenal, and that's very much an arena arena fighter. Um, So we'll see what happens with that, but it's cool just mentioning that Tenkaichi is coming back. Um, The next news thing is that another Ori game is coming, and originally Ori in the Blind Forest, then Ori in the Will of the Wisps. Um, This has been leaked from the same leaker that um, mentioned Metroid Dread before launch. Um, Interestingly, though, it it doesn't seem like it's from Moon Studios, who did the first two games, um, because they said back in 2020 they were they were aiming their sights even higher with a new action RPG, and they signed with Private Division. Um, also, as of February twenty third, uh, Moon CEO Thomas Mailer, um, this is all written up by VGC, but he was just tweeting a few things, saying our next project is going to make or break us. Um, either we manage to revolutionize the ARPG genre, the action RPG genre, or we'll slowly fade away into the distance. Um, while all of this is scary, I love the challenge. Diablo uh, Pillars of 
Pillars of Eternity. He's got POE. I think it'll be Pillars of Eternity, etc. We're coming for you. May the best one win. Um, so it seems like if they're doing all that, there's no way they can just squeeze out a side Ori game. Yeah, probably um, not. Also, you know, Moon Studios, I don't have that many details to hand, but I remember a whole bunch of things going on with them across the pandemic, various reports coming out from inside Moon Studios as to their general work culture um, and just sort of uh, various issues that need to be addressed in terms of the, I think it was the way um, that I guess various team members were being spoken to and things like that. So I wonder how doable any of this is. Yeah. Um, and I also, I'm, I'm doubly curious, like, who do you give Ori to that can nail that? Because the end of Will of the Wisps, not to do spoilers, is very definitive. I would just cap that franchise there. As much as I adore it, um, I don't know what you can even do with a part three, considering what happens at the end of two. I wonder if it's just too valuable for Xbox to give up, mm. even if, it, if it's handed off to, like, a new developer. Because Ori was always like a bright spot for the mm-hmm. Xbox when it had no games. Mm-hmm. People, it wasn't a system seller by any means, but no. people would hold it up as, as, as this critically acclaimed franchise with two, you know, amazing installments mm-hmm. to say, look, look at what Xbox is doing. It's investing in these kind of like smaller, artier titles, mm-hmm. these great platformers, and it doesn't necessarily need the big budget uh, shooters or whatever. <laughs> so I wonder whether Ori is such a kind of jewel in Microsoft's crown that they want to keep it going no matter what. But it is mm-hmm. interesting. Thing because it does raise the question of they have so many studios, but who who takes it on? Who who continues the franchise? And in what way? Like you mm-hmm. said, the ending of Will of the Wisps is a little bit definitive. Like, do they do something radically different, or do they just kind of continue in that same vein? As mm-hmm. someone who played those two games back to back, they were almost too similar for right, my liking. Right. Like the the innovations that come in the second game are are really good, mm-hmm. but it was almost a mistake to do them so close to each other <laughs> because they are so similar in a lot of ways, and it was. Mm-hmm. A kind of iterative change. Yeah, I, th- I love the combat so much in Will of the Wisps. I feel like that's like a huge step up from considering like how like ranged everything is like almost forced to be in one, but that, that's such a minor thing. Like you're still doing the same exploration. It's like if you played a bunch of Metroids in a row, you would still be like, well, this is the same approach to level design, Yeah, um, which is fair enough. Um, but yeah, I'm curious what they do with it. I feel like I, had just, I just have zero faith in Xbox Studios, like in terms of an overall overarching, actually get anything out the door um, approach to gaming. So I'll have more faith in this when Starfield starts coming out when you know avowed gets detailed a bit more um, or anything happens from any of their teams <laughs> where they have anything in motion um, that would be good and um, the final quick thing is that the finals has been shown off which is the new game from X dice developers um, which has kind of been doing the rounds as it's almost like a weird sort of like virtual reality tournament type thing where everyone's jacking in it seems like they're jacking into like this competition but the main thing that it's being sold on is environmental destruction to like an unprecedented degree however it's not that far off red faction like if you played red no. faction back on the PS to, um, you could blow a hole in any wall and shoot a dude through the wall or whatever. It's just that times 10. So a lot of the footage is doing the rounds now in terms of people getting hands-on with the, um, you know, like code that's a bit further through development where people are blowing away entire walkways so players fall down and you're blowing away the floor where the checkpoint is that you're trying to defend to get an easier access to it and changing the way that you approach like I guess first person uh, multiplayer um, what do you think of this in terms of like a, <clears throat> a battlefield contender? I think the tech looks sick like the scale mm. of destruction in those multiplayer maps that we've seen so far looks really amazing mm-hmm. and kind of mind-blowing at times. Like you said, the ability to decimate entire bridges to kind of <laughs> block off a certain objective, to blow out the floor from underneath someone, to get rid of an entire level of a map. Like, mm-hmm. that is awesome. It's just, for me, the game that that <coughs> is housed in isn't appealing to me. Mm-hmm. We recently did, well, not you and I, but on What Culture Gaming, mm-hmm. a, a list went up about like the worst X in video games. <laughs> something that just kind of like Jules' title. Jules' title. Something that just kind of like puts you off a game yeah. when you see it. And for me, I think it is that kind of um, sort of reality TV 
sort of framing that some games have where yeah. it's where it's just something televised. It's a sport, you know, you, we're shooting each other for sport. Mm. It's got these kind of uh, over-the-top kind of like visuals. We've got these announcers and stuff. Like uh, Destruction All-Stars. Like Destruction All-Stars. That just isn't it for me. Right. I don't necessarily vibe with that kind of aesthetic or mm. that tone. So it's a shame because I love the tech side of it, but the shooting and the framework uh, wasn't wasn't for me. I think I, yeah, I'm more just in it for like what are the what, what the gameplay possibilities are for the detonation stuff. Like if I, we were talking before recording about like whatever their different game modes are. Some of them are like defend this point. I think there's like a basic team deathmatch mode. Um, I was watching Skillup's video on it and they were saying that like in general match times are quite short and you sort of like the whole point is to just decimate this environment and not get sick of it before you move on to the next thing. Um, and so I'm curious on what they let you do because I remember when Rainbow Six Siege was first being shown off and they, I think it was Siege and it was that whole mode where you had to like extract a hostage. Yeah. Um, and you were sort of like people would detonate the roof and then fall in and then uh, like defeat the team and extract like in unique ways every time. And I'm like, that's what I want. I need this sort of like EA Levolution approach to uh, environments to factor into the goals themselves. And I need to be able to think in a different way because um, I need to start thinking of like, if I need to get up to the top of a building, maybe I can detonate a wall somewhere else and, and make it fall to the side and we can climb up that or something. Things that like, it should reward you for thinking in that way yeah. and not just be this really cool sort of like physics-y tech demo. I have to, for me, the thing that'll differentiate it and get it, because I, I feel like a lot of people are quite sick of what you just said, like the whole, um, it's wacky in an online, it's this weird future where we're all desensitized. And I'm just like, we've, we've done this to death at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, it needs to have a, a bit more of its own identity. And I feel like the tech side of it is what they're leaning on or trying to lean on a bit more um, but you still get a bit of that virtual reality stuff um, when people are killed in this they explode into like pixels yes um, and there's uh, there are various superpowers that you can activate that are all just like hacks around the game which it all that stuff reminds me of like hyperscape which yeah. is one of the games that just died we just did another list on life service games with shockingly short lifespans and hyperscape is like two years like so yeah yeah like the, the actual gunplay itself in the kind of feedback the visual feedback you get from a kill or you get from taking health off someone mm. reminded me so much of Overwatch. And while yes. I like that in Overwatch, I don't want an Overwatch clone. And no. it's, it's, to me, it's just a shame that watching the footage, I just kind of thought, I wish this level of destruction was in a Battlefield game or yeah, a different totally. kind of first-person shooter because it's cool that it's here. Mm-hmm. But I just... I want to interact with that tech in a slightly different way from the modes that I have at least seen so yeah. far in this close better. I want to either do it in single player where you do get those moments like you were saying mm. where you need to get to an objective. What's the most creative way I can get to that objective by destroying the environment and mm. using it uh, as, a, as a means of navigation? But I just don't think that will necessarily come through with the game, game modes that I've seen no. so far. Like There are definitely interesting opportunities, but it doesn't, it doesn't seem quite focal for me. And that might seem weird considering how good the tech is and how much you can do, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it'll come together. It's uh, It reminds me a bit, it's like if you took Overwatch's sort of like the... the it's not like a Twitch shooter, but the, the twitchiness of an Overwatch, the way that you track people on that and the sort of like the way that you're rewarded through the UI, like the different, the skull icon popping up and then their name popping up of who you just killed mixed with the uh, destruction of Battlefield. And then also it reminded me of uh, Lawbreakers, you know, yeah. the, the failed Cliffy B game uh, in terms of the idea that you always have full 360 motion because the jumps in this are humongous. And it was like some of the gameplay clips, you're like, got, you've got a bead on a guy and they jump all the way up into the sky and like up over you and then you jump up and meet them in the air. And it's like, there's a potential for that to be kind 
kind of fun, but it's so fast and twitchy that it's like, okay, what am I actually aiming at? Mm. And what is my actual like methodology in terms of the tactic, the t- what um, tactics can I actually employ to like try and like get them to stop jumping around everywhere? Yeah. Or like, can I drop a building on someone like on the fly or whatever? So I think there's a lot of cool stuff. They've said on the tech side that it's about uh, rendering or, or processing all of the damage on the server side so that everyone sees the same level as it falls apart, which is always the thing that killed, um, you know, physics defamation stuff in every other game because they try to do it on the client side, which for whatever reason always led to different internet speeds and everything else. Yeah. So if they can nail the tech, I think that'll at least be cool. But the wider framing of it being another futuristic game show, you're probably bang on that that it'll be, it will be the thing that people just go, I can't do another one of yeah, these with it, the man. emojis and they've got to buy the skins. and oh God. Like looking at just the UI where people were choosing their characters and they were choosing their skins mm. and, their, and their setups and stuff, it did look so Fortnite. It looked so like kind of early Overwatch, which mm. for me just that's just the my, my aesthetic. I do want to end on a positive note. Yes. There is a glue gun in there this game, gun. just like there was in the Prey reboot, yep. whereby you can launch big globs of glue around the environment <laughs> and stick them together to create structures, to create um, you know potential cover in yeah, front like bridges of you, or to build bridges from uh, like pathways that have otherwise been destroyed mm-hmm. and I love that there is a focus on rebuilding as much as there is destroying because the glue gun is great in prey and to <laughs> see that in a multiplayer setting is really cool. We had, it was like a couple of years where it was like year of the bow and arrow, where like even Crisis 3 had the bow and arrow and they were everywhere. Sony kind of has that now. Um, and I f- and then we had like the year of the grappling hook and it's like that. Maybe the next, maybe 2024 or the rest of this year is the year of the glue gun. Oh, it's about that. time. It is. It is about time. Log over you, Scott Tilford. <laughs> um, for now though, this has been the wind up. I've been Scott Tilford. That's been Josh Brown. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure to be heard by all of you and we'll catch you next week. Bye bye. Goodbye. <laughs>